Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. This is a show about how everything is public health and public health is for everyone. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So COVID, the beloved, no, not beloved, why did I say that? The, <laughs> the infamous pandemic that we are arguably still experiencing, COVID with no exaggeration, revealed many things about ourselves, our society, and our world, and in many ways changed how things worked. And I posit that prior to the pandemic, most people probably don't even think about the Department of Health or the Department of Public Health or the CDC in their area or the equivalent. What do you think? Oh, I completely agree with that. And one of my, not my student, but a student that I interact with at another institution who's getting a doctorate in public health, she was telling a story about how prior to COVID, when she told people that she was an epidemiologist... They assumed that she studied skin. No, skin. Oh, that's even worse. (laughs) (laughs) People don't even know their roots, the word roots. (laughs) So, So I think it is, and to be totally honest, I think even with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of folks probably aren't thinking about their local health department, maybe their state health department, certainly CDC at the federal level. But I think a lot of people associate public health more as like, what was the governor doing? What was the federal government doing? Yeah. And and I still think there's not enough attention on county and city health departments. Yeah, and that's going to be the focus of this episode. And I think there's a lot of themes that come up when we do this show. One of the themes is that when people think of health, they think of medical health. Like they think of hospitals, they think of doctors. They don't think about public health in the sense of, you know, how normal public health operates. And do you think after the pandemic... The general public appreciates public health more or less. It depends on the people you're you're talking about. I know, right? I actually don't know my answer to this either. I thought long and hard about this, but I want to hear your take first. So I think there is, and we've experienced this at our school, and I'm sure others have as well. I think there is a whole generation of young people who saw the COVID-19 pandemic, saw the importance of a public health response and have decided to change careers or or enter the career, the field of public health. So huge booms in student populations, applications, all those kinds of things. So I think that- For medical schools too. Sure. I think that for many younger people, there is a, a greater appreciation for public health. I think- Across demographics tending towards people who are more conservative (laughs) or older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is less of an appreciation for public health now. And I think that, you know, I'm painting with a broad brush and I'm going to overgeneralize for a moment. We often do. But I think in general in our country, we have a trend now that is very alarming. It's not just recently, it was starting before COVID as well, where opinions matter more than fact. So You could argue still today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it certainly continued. Now, I was very careful to say fact because mm-hmm. what is true <laughs> yeah. could be relative, right, in different contexts. But a fact, data, evidence, fact should be the thing, right? You can't... It should be the objective yes, touchstone that right. people reach to. And I think, you know, if, if you even look back 20 years ago, regardless of your political affiliation, your background, etc., People could agree on a set of facts where the disagreement came in was on the solution or the approach or the strategy. Or the perspective people have or something. Right. Okay, we all agree that X is a problem as defined by whatever numbers, data, facts. But 
you know, one group might say we need to do this thing and another group might say, no, actually, I think this approach is something else, right? Now, we have people who have alternative facts. Alternative truth or whatever, yeah. Yes, or that, you know, how I feel about the problem is more important than all the data that you put in front of me. And that is really detrimental to public health because public health is all about looking at the data, understanding what's happening across populations, distributions, vulnerable groups, and trying to make changes at the population level that will improve everyone. Now, that might mean that some people have to follow rules that aren't potentially relevant for them, but everybody needs to follow the rules. Otherwise, we don't have sort of good population level public health policy. Sorry, that was maybe more than what you were looking for in response to that question. No, my response was also like that, very long-winded and nuanced when I thought about this in my head. Long-winded, ouch. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, that was an unintentional dig. That's not what I meant. Uh, I mean like verbose. No, that's worse than that. (laughs) How about Thorough. Thorough, yes. My response was also just as thorough and nuanced. And I think it really depends on how your outlook was prior to the pandemic. And then whatever the pandemic did was sort of like made whatever your initial out view more consolidated or extreme. So if you are already suspicious of the government, if you are already anti-establishment, I guess from the political right, then the pandemic just consolidated your view about why the government is dangerous or useless, whatever you know, adjective you want to throw in there, versus the opposite is true if you start out on a little bit on the left of the political spectrum. But so I actually think that the net effect is like zero. <laughs> like I sort of canceled each other out. Like people who believed in public health believed in it more and people who don't really don't believe in it now. Yes, yes, I agree. I was going to say but, but I'm going to say, uh, actually, you know what, I'm going to say yes, but, <laughs> which yeah. is not, <laughs> yes, but. I'm not saying yes, but to contradict what you just said, because I completely agree. Where I would add additional context is the power that the individuals have on either side of the spectrum is not necessarily equal or the the level of attention that groups get. So I would argue that people who have power that they are desperate to cling to are on the (laughs) discounting public health side. And the groups that maybe do not have as much power are more on the pro-public health side. And so while net, the perhaps number of people may balance each other out to not make much of a change, it is possible that the power distribution across those groups actually skews us towards a more negative perspective of public health because of the platforms that some of these people have and the attention that the media continues to give them despite them being i'm gonna not say a word now <laughs> yeah exactly you should be proud of me i i held my tongue yes i uh, will see how long that lasts for the rest of this episode uh, yeah. <laughs> and i think yeah like in general people don't appreciate it and this is the segue to the rest of the episode like when we think of your local community resources people think of the police department people think of the fire department I think people even know about the parks department because of the TV show Parks and Rec. Like people even know about those slightly less popular departments, but I'm willing to wager that not a lot of people know about what their health department do or Department of Public Health. Classic America, different jurisdictions calls it by different names. We're going to call it Department of Health or Department of Public Health, but yeah, literally every city has a different name for that department. So Cass, I'm going to ask you to do something that is probably the hardest thing I've asked you to do for this podcast. Ready? Yes. I need you to forget everything you know about public health and just pretend that you don't know anything about public health for a few minutes. Okay. Got it? (laughs) (laughs) Pretend you don't know nothing about public health. Like, pretend that you never went to school for public health, you don't do work in this field, and you're just a normal human being (laughs) on the street, okay? Okay. 
All right. If you ask a random person, you, you are now the random person in this scenario. If you ask a random person, okay. what does your local Department of Health do? What do you think people will say? Um. Okay. So again, thinking back to when I was a wee lass and, and didn't know anything about it, I would say, well, you know, I see the letter grades in restaurants Ooh, for yes. food. Yeah. So I would one. say they they inspect restaurants, mm-hmm. right, for food safety. Yeah, quality. that's a very visible one for a lot of people. Yeah. I would say they I'm trying so hard now to not <laughs> to not think about what I know. I know it's which hard is, to unknow goodness, something. It's hard. I also thought about clean water at the time, although I think that's actually EPA and not the health department at all, which is... Depending on what type of... If you're talking about overall clean water, that's EPA. But, you know, for the local tap water, yeah. So, So that. I do know, actually, this is something that I know not because of my public health training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they, at least in Anne Arundel County, if not in Maryland more broadly, the health department assesses the water quality in schools, out of school drinking yes. fountains, mm-hmm. and like assesses for lead... And those sorts of things. Be honest. Did you know about lead prior to public health? Uh, yes, I. Well, yes, because I'd at least moved to start my public health program. And while I had not started yet, I had to sign a lead waiver in my apartment in Philadelphia asking me to not lick the walls or eat the paint or anything like that because of the <laughs> lead paint. Um, so I did know about that. And I knew, I, as we talked about before, I grew up fishing, right? And we would bite lead weights onto the fishing line. And so then, like, later on, then I was like, oh, that was a bad idea. But not when I was younger, but, you know, it was in my... Right. Whatever. Anyway. So th- those are those are the things I can reasonably say I don't know because of my public health training, but that's that's maybe all I can come up with. Yeah. I think the point I was trying to get across by making you pretend that you don't know public health <laughs> is that... Public health is such like not an archetype occupation in American psyche. Like you think of police, it's like, oh, they fight crimes, even though you can make an argument of what they actually do. But you think of firefighters, oh, they fight fires. You think of parks department, oh, they make the parks pretty, right? You, there are things that there's just an archetype image for certain departments and occupation. Public health doesn't have that in the American psyche. So I think people just don't know. And that's what I think we're going to talk about in the second half of this episode. But before that happens, it's time for everyone's favorite show, show within the show. That's play cast makes an educated cast. As always, we only have one contestant and the rules are as simple as they get. I ask a question and cast makes a guess. Cast, are you ready? Uh, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. <gasps> Which U.S. city established the first U.S. health department? Okay, so I know that it is there. Well, at least according to what I know, there's um sort of a a dispute about the first. There is a dispute. Oh, I okay. know of at least two cities that claim to be the first, mm-hmm. and I only know this because well, I lived in one and I grew up very close to another one, <laughs> so I know that Philadelphia is a city that claims having the first or among the first, and Yakima, Washington, which I only know because I grew up in Washington State and I went to. Uh, Central Washington University in in Ellensburg. And once I got into public health and was learning more about it, Yakima, Washington is one of the places that claims to be among the first or the first. Okay, so you are correct. This is a trick question because this is hotly contested about who was actually the first U.S. health department. So if you define 
a modern health department like what we know today that question gets even more murky because then you could be like well like is the is the health department established in the 17th or 1800 really a health department uh you can make that claim but the cities that i was looking for that contested was between philadelphia like you named and the other city that claims that it has the first health department is baltimore in 1790 something like this is right right on the cusp of like the birth of the nation uh, as we know it today and baltimore claims to have the first u.s uh, health department uh, boston makes similar claims although or not boston philadelphia makes similar claims but some people would argue that it's like more like a board of health directors rather than like a health department so it is highly contested but the two answers that i would accept are baltimore and philadelphia Boston tries to make a claim for it. You don't accept Yakima? Uh, well, the thing is, like you said, how do you define a, a health department? If you think of like a modern health department, maybe Yakima would be up there, but... Sure, yeah. I think the Yakima's claim... We didn't even touch the West Coast in the 1700s. So. Right, but so I guess it depends on, as you said, what you define. Like, is it a modern health department? Right, or, or just is any it, sort of... Yeah, like, I think... Um, Anyway, because your face when I said Yakima, you were like, what the what are you talking about? <laughs> it yeah, was in the but, early 1900s, but they basically said like all those other ones weren't real health departments. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> which I mean, hey, depends on how you define it. They could be totally on base about them being the first modern health department, which is yeah. possibly true. But I would accept it Baltimore or Philadelphia. Is there another question? There is another question. There is the okay. second and the last question. Between the federal, state, county and local departments of health. So four levels. Which level is the youngest? Federal. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. That is correct. The federal level is the youngest. Now, bonus question. Do you know the order of how they were uh, created? Um, My guess would be local, county, state, and then federal. So sort of inverse order of geographic unit. Very close. Uh, there's a little swap in the middle. It's a local, state, county, and federal. You know, I almost said that because I was like, <laughs> it couldn't be so easy. Otherwise, you wouldn't have asked. But The point of this question is to show that I think this is such an innate property of public health. A lot of public health is community-based, right? Like when you think about the formation of the first, the first health department, it almost wouldn't make sense for the entire 13 colonies to be like, yep, we need a federal agency that does it's it's so antithetical to like their approach to governance at that time too. yeah exactly but yeah like throughout history in other cultures and countries too you almost always see the local one starts first because you have a mass of people gathering in one place and immediately you have sanitation concerns you have you know food and water concerns so the local one starts first and i think that's beautiful because a big part of public health is about the local community and the, the community that the department serves directly rather than having this like gigantic like CDC or HHS or uh, there's probably another one, FDA or whatever that does the federal stuff. Public health is very local. And I think that's a point that's worth having. Well, congratulations. You survived two questions. Yes. So what does our local public health and health department do? Let's shed some light about all the important functions. And of there are dozens all the important functions that our local public health and health departments they do. So some of these we've talked about before, but you know we'll we'll rehash them just a, a skosh. So the most obvious one right now is distribution of vaccine, which you see in the COVID pandemic. Someone had to do that, right? Like if you think about it, it didn't just happen. It didn't just like oh, all the hospitals got together and say oh, we're gonna distribute vaccines now. No, 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 no. Someone had to coordinate those efforts. Someone had to... Right. And now you can get these vaccines at the pharmacy. But at the time, 
most people, if not all people, got them from the mass vaccination yes. sites that were coordinated by the health department. Yeah. And you think that just happens? You think people just like, oh, yeah, we'll just have this giant tent open up in a convention center and people, no, 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 someone had to organize poof. those things. <laughs> what was that face? I said, poof. Yeah, poof. <laughs> just No, someone had to organize. And it's a if you do event planning, which I don't know if our listeners do, but if anyone who does any sort of event planning will know how much of a logistical nightmare setting up a mass vaccination site is. First of all, the vaccine expire once you open them. So you have to count how many vials you're going to, you need to estimate how many people are coming in. You need to have, since we live in a car dependent city, there needs to be a place for people to either drive in or park. Someone needs to do that, you know? Like it doesn't just happen just spontaneously out of nowhere by hospitals and whatever. Like someone needs to coordinate those things. And I love that the irony is that the US was the country that invented the COVID vaccine, but it's also the country that have the hardest time getting people to vaccinate because our public health department, local public health departments are not doing so hot. Well, because they've been, budgets have been slashed because as we've talked about, the biggest issue with public health is when everything is going well. People are like, oh, we don't need this. People don't think (laughs) about public health. They don't know about what's happening. And so in that case, people are like, well, why do we need to keep spending all this money on public health? Nothing bad is happening. Boom, COVID. Well, that's because we're spending all this money on public health. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But sort of thinking back on some of the other things that, health departments do contact tracing Mm, big one people probably never heard about this until covid and thinking about who you spent time with trying to trace um trace it but food poisoning huge trying to understand sources of food poisoning outbreaks tuberculosis all those kinds of things so somebody needs to figure out where people or who people have been in contact with so that you can figure out where the source is yeah and then food poisoning is a little less serious but it's still important for people i mean i don't know you're probably too young to remember all the people that were dying during the e coli outbreak oh i was definitely too young (laughs) 90s and i mean it's serious yeah (laughs) people were hospitalized people were dying food poisoning can be real real terrible it is and uh, anyone who's gotten food poisoning will know that it's not fun and it could be potentially very serious and a small little anecdote uh one of my co-workers she has a kid in a daycare and one of the teachers of the daycare got tb and I need not to tell you that that is very serious. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is very that's serious. alarming. And so who's going to give these parents guidance? Like, so she had to call the local health department and be like, OK, we have a case of TB. Someone needs to interview her and ask where she's been, who she's worked with, et cetera, et cetera. Who does that? The health department does that. The health department needs to come in and do the contact tracing. And more importantly, in that situation, provide the parents with guidance on what to do and what not to do. Her kid is fine, just to assure people. That's good. But yeah, like we talk about lead. Someone needs to test the building for lead. Do you think the police department tests the building? Do you think the fire department tests the building? No, it's like the health department tests the building for lead, among other things. So, you know, with the opioid crisis also and overdose deaths continuing to increase, right, with the development of Narcan as a um, opioid reversal, it's important that we have access to that. And the health department helps make that available in many states, if not counties and cities. It's the health commissioner who writes the sort of quote unquote prescription to make Narcan available for anyone who wants to get it from the pharmacy. Yeah. Over to counter Narcan just got that was I think that's 
relatively recent uh, when I heard the news that Narcan is now available over the counter. Someone had to make that happen. Like, did you think the pharmacy would just out of the goodness of their heart just be like, oh, yeah, we should carry over the counter Narcan? Well, not goodness of the they couldn't until it was ruled available. So let's not throw pharmacies under the bus. It's not just them. (laughs) Another thing, it's not always the case, but typically the Department of Health is the one that keeps track of birth and death certificates. Uh, Not always the case, but the reason why they do that is because when you have a Department of Health keep track of death certificates, we can have data on what is impacting people in the community. Like, what are they dying from? We talked about tap water already, but they also, the health department often has supplies for emergencies. If something happened and we need stocks of various supplies to help us respond to an emergency, often that's the health department. They also coordinate hospitals, doctors, and nurses to respond to those emergencies. Like if it's, for example, a pandemic, like someone had to coordinate them. Um, We talked about the letter grade that you see at restaurants. A lot of times the department of health is responsible for that. So you can thank them for making sure that the restaurant you eat at don't have like rats in the kitchen or whatever. They do so much. We can't stress enough. Yeah. They also, the health department might be the people who check on those who can't leave the house. Mm -hmm. They might set up home visitation programs or supportive services for new mothers, for example, in the community. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if like we have people in the Department of Health or the Public Health Force that just checks in on people to see how they're doing in their homes? Wouldn't that be nice? But unfortunately, a lot of those programs are going away because their funding gets slashed every year. Um, They also set policies for tobacco, e-cigarettes, and vaping locally, but this is more on the state level, typically. They also make plans to address the community's burden of chronic disease. Like if a community has high burden of, for example, diabetes, they might set up a diabetes task force to coordinate with hospitals and clinics to make sure that people are educated about how to prevent diabetes or how to you know deal with, interact with people with diabetes and offering those resources. Like they do so many things. Near and dear to my heart is tracking violence and injuries for prevention purposes. So monitoring as well as establishing interventions and prevention programs. Yeah. Like someone had to do that. I think I can't stress it. It didn't just happen. Like all those data that you see from the CDC or your you know, local health department, all the data that they have about anything, someone had to collect those and someone had to, you know, bring those in and collate them and, you know, make it available for the public. Like it didn't just happen by itself. Someone need to monitor the stray animals. And I have more things, but I think the point is they do so many things and a lot of things that people don't think about and take for granted, like someone had to do them. And a lot of times it's the Department of Health's responsibility to do those things. However, as with most things we discuss on this podcast, it's not all rosy. In fact, many of your local health departments are not doing so hot right now for, well, the biggest reason is they oftentimes don't have enough funding and their funding gets slashed. Even not slashed, they don't get additional funding despite their increasing responsibilities. Right. And when we think about our greater recognition of the number of things that impact the health of our populations, including you know, structural determinants of health, social determinants of health, things that we've talked about previously. We are expanding the purview of public health by recognizing all of the things that are public health, but we are not expanding the funding that goes along with managing all of those pieces, as we've talked about, not just in this episode, but in prior episodes. One thing we haven't maybe very specifically addressed is um, thinking about privatization. So we know in a whole bunch of topics. There's a push to privatize some of these things with the claims that it'll be more efficient, et cetera. 
but we've talked about on prior episodes what is a public good and health departments and public health services are a public good. That is a hill I will die on. Um, And we can't privatize that because it would negatively impact because the whole point of public health is it's to make everyone's lives better, safer, healthier. And if you privatize it, you are, and I'm going to show my bias here, but if you privatize something, you are inherently making it so that it will not be for everyone's good. Because a private company, they have a different motive than a public good, right? And I think what are ways that people can do to help? Well, the most direct way is by voting. And as we've said on this podcast many times before, you should vote in your local elections as well. And you should vote. Yep, vote down ballot. Vote down ballot. And just keep in mind that... This is something that I think a lot of people need to come to terms with. Like, you can't vote to undermine a public thing and then complain about how bad it is. Wait, what? <laughs> you can't be like, oh my God, they're raising taxes again. Or, oh, they're, this thing is asking for more funding. I don't like that. And, oh, no, like, oh, these services are so terrible. It's like, well, yeah. Our bridges are crumbling. Yeah. So what do you, come on. <laughs> Our streetlights are burned out. And also every year without fail in, well, not every city, but a lot of cities, police department get more budget every year without fail. And I will, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, how else can you help? I think just by spreading the message, they just need more love. They just need more recognition. They need people to understand that they offer a critical service. They're not just some invisible thing in the background. A lot of these local health departments, like maybe less so in New York City and Los Angeles and Baltimore and some of these bigger cities, but a lot of these local health departments in smaller places, they're really struggling They're like one person is doing five jobs because they can't afford five people. And that's why in certain areas, you don't see the COVID vaccine roll out as quickly as it should be, right? All of this is connected. So I know that like when we're recording, the the episode is obviously not coming out today for everybody, but we are recording at the end of September with a government shutdown looming. In how many days? Well, it's September 29th. And so October 1st, if we can't get things sorted out, we will have a government shutdown. Oh my God, it's in two days. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what the status of the government shutdown will be at the time of the release of this episode. Ooh, a time capsule message. Okay. just thinking about the federal funds that trickle down to our state, county, and local health departments, it is already so hard for our health departments to do the work that they are tasked with doing, as you were just saying. It is going to be so much harder if we have this federal government shutdown food distribution, healthcare services, all sorts of things, not just at the federal, but the state, county, and local level are going to be dramatically impacted by this shutdown. So again, who knows what the status will be? Who knows how long it will last if it even happens? But just another thing for listeners to keep in mind is the the precarious position we are in when our elected officials at various levels of government can't get their together and work for the greater good of the country and our people. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. No, 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 it's it's true. It impacts all of us. And it's kind of frustrating to know that there is a small group of people in D.C. that sort of just out of a whim, just be like, no, we're going to shut the government down. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything's Public Health. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintance. It is the best thing that you can do to help us and public health tell everyone how awesome and critical public health is. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review. It helps the show immensely. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or think we missed an important perspective, please reach out to us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. 
You can find me on threads at CastPhD. Please follow us on Instagram, threads, and Mastodon, all at Everything is Public Health. While we still have our Twitter account, however, in light of recent problematic changes, we will no longer be using that site. We may be on Blue Sky Social in the future, but that is up in the air as of this moment. If you want to support the show directly, we have a Patreon page, which also acts like our website. Follow us there for all major updates and bonus material. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.